0: the fifth adventure of siegfried the dragon slayer by anonymous this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by phil Mimer relates the adventures of wieland the best of all smiths and armorers siegfried took his seat boldly among the smiths and had an answer for every question as if he had grown up among them in the smoky cavern meimer imagined he had gained in siegfried a good workman and told him that if he served him well he would make him as clever a smith as wieland the best of all armourers then siegfried asked him who this wieland was and what he had produced but meimer replied in surprise thou seemest to me not to have long crawled out of thy nest if thou knowest not of wieland of whom every one has heard but that is a long and wondrous history, and we have no time for it today. for Veland forged so many skilful things that one can scarcely even tell of them. Siegfried begged him again with great earnestness, and promised to bring him the fattest aurochs of the forests far around. "'Well, then,' said Mimer, "'I will tell thee of Wieland. But remember, if thou keepest not thy word, I'll fix thee with my own hands to the highest rock.' where thou shalt remain until the eagles and vultures bear thee away piecemeal siegfried laughed at this threat and meimer began as follows wieland the most famous of all armourers came from zeeland his father was named wade and he was of the race of the giants he was once told that two dwarfs lived in a hollow mountain who understood everything that heart could desire to know And were able to work in iron and silver and gold better than anyone else so wade the old giant took his son veland and went with him to seek the little dwarfs in the mountain on their way they came to a river but neither boat nor ferryman was to be seen so after waiting a long time the old giant's patience became exhausted and he placed young veland on his shoulder and carried him across the river The river was five fathoms deep and yet the water scarcely reached the hem of his girdle thus they came safely to the skilful dwarfs and the old man gave them his son to instruct and agreed to give them a mark of gold for twelve months at parting he charged his son to be attentive and industrious and then returned home after the expiration of a twelvemonth he came again and veland had served the dwarfs so truly and had become so clever that they would not part with him they begged the giant to leave the boy twelve months longer and they would return him his mark of gold and teach veland twice as many arts the old father thought this a good offer and accepted it but afterwards the dwarfs repented having bought his services so dear and they required that if the giant return not on the appointed day they should be free to cut off his son's head the giant agreed to this also but at parting he called to his son to accompany him part of the way on emerging from the mine they proceeded a short distance when the father stopped and plunging his sword into a bog covered with brushwood said if i return not on the appointed day and the dwarfs seek thy life take this sword and defend thyself like a man for that were better than that thou shouldst be miserably murdered by two such diminutive wretches nevertheless i cannot but think i shall return before the appointed day the father and son parted and saw one another no more Velan learned all the other arts of the dwarfs they were however much displeased at this but consoled themselves with reflecting that his skill would be of no great use to him since his head was in their power When the twelve months were drawing to a close the old giant was anxious to go to his son rather too soon than too late for the way was long and he feared to miss the appointed time he therefore set out on his journey and travelled day and night until he came to the hollow mountain and this was three days earlier than the time agreed upon but he found the mountain closed so feeling extremely tired He laid himself down to rest, until it was opened, and immediately sank into a deep slumber. As he lay upon the hard rock, snoring so loud that the branches of the trees shook, the sky grew dark, a thick cloud burst, an earthquake shattered the mountain, and a cliff became loosened and fell, drowning the sleeper in the gushing waters, and burying him amidst the falling rocks and trees. Wade the old giant never awoke again some however say he is not yet dead and that at times you may hear him breathe plainly and that the whole remaining portion of the mountain trembles when he turns himself round the dwarfs opened the mountain on the appointed day and wieland went up to seek his father he could nowhere find him and when he came to the cliff and perceived the fall he guessed what had happened he instantly took the sword from out of the bog returned into the mine and slew the two dwarfs then he collected together all his tools and all the gold and silver he could find and placing them on a horse journeyed northwards to denmark after three days he came to the veser and for a long time he knew not how he should get over the deep stream at length he felled a lofty tree hollowed it out and placed on the top his tools together with the gold and silver beneath these he laid his provisions and then he made himself windows of skins of beasts and bark of trees which were so thick that no water could penetrate them then he slipped himself in between and moved about until the tree rolled down the smooth bank into the stream for eighteen days in the trunk of this tree he continued his course down the stream before he reached the land which happened just when king nindung's people were rowing about on the sea with nets to catch fish for the royal master's table when the fishermen drew in their nets these were so heavy that they fancied they had caught some monstrous fish but when they saw the tree cut out so skilfully, they ran in haste to the king to inform him of the circumstance the king came himself and ordered the tree to be cut asunder to see what was inside so they forthwith set to work with their axes veland however who was listening inside the tree was not a little afraid lest they might hit him a fatal blow so he called to them to desist saying that there was a man inside when the people heard the tree speak with a human voice they thought the evil spirit himself was lodged in the wood and ran away as fast as their legs would carry them veland now opened the tree himself went to the king and requesting protection for his life offered him his services the king saw quickly that he was a stranger and a man to command attention and not a poor wretch or wandering beggar he therefore granted his request although the way in which he had been taken like a fish in a net appeared to him strange and wondrous wieland hastened back to his tree and buried it together with all his tools and property contained therein but one of the king's men, named rygan saw him by chance while thus engaged. Then Vilan served the king faithfully, and well for a year. His duty was to have under his care and inspection the three knives which lay on the table before the king. He went one day to the seashore, and while he was washing these three knives, the best of them fell from his hand into the sea and was lost he was much troubled at this since he could not discharge even so simple an office then he went in haste to amilius the king's smith but found him not for he was gone to luncheon with his companions and the smithy was empty so velin went to the forge himself and unseen by any human being he made a knife similar to the one he had lost whereupon he went and stood before the king's table and appeared as if nothing had happened presently the king took up the new knife and was about to cut with it a loaf of bread which lay before him on the table when the knife went completely through the loaf and cut a piece out of the table on which the loaf lay the king in astonishment inquired who had made that knife Velan replied who else but Amilius, your smith who has made all your knives and everything else that you have caused to be forged Amilius confirmed what he said but the king answered Amilius cannot make so good a blade and he threatened veland with his wrath if he did not tell him the truth then he confessed to the king all that had happened and the king said he knew full well that Amilius could not produce such workmanship this seemed to Amilius to convey a great reproach and insult and he rose up in anger and declared that he would challenge the stranger to forge with him and all should then see which of the two was the better skilled in the art then the king commanded it to be so and it was agreed that amilius should make a helmet with a breastplate and leggings of mail and that velan should make a sword and whoever's work was best should have the power to cut off the other's head for the performance of the task each was to be allowed the space of a twelvemonth two of the chief serving-men of the king stood up and bound themselves as sureties for amilius whose skill was so well known that it was thought impossible he should fail whilst no one would venture to stand surety for the stranger Veland, until at length the king himself pledged his word for him. That very day, Amilius proceeded to his smithy with all his workmen, and began to labour at his work, and continued thus from day to day until the twelve months were ended. Veland, on the other hand, waited every day at the king's table, and seemed as if he had heard nothing of the affair. Thus passed an entire half-year, when the king one day asked him how he thought to gain his wager Veland replied that if the king were pleased to command he was ready to begin at once and he forthwith went to the spot where he had buried his tree but this was broken up and all his tools together with the gold and silver taken out as he stood in trouble and perplexity looking into the water he remembered the man who had observed him whilst engaged in burying the tree but he knew not his name so he went straight to the king told him the whole story and added that he was sure he should recollect the man if he were to see him again thereupon the king said he would see to this so he summoned an assemblage of his people and collected together all the men in his kingdom but none knew the meaning of the royal summons then velan stood at the entrance and watched each as he arrived when the king had dismissed the assembly Velan went to him and said that among those present he had neither seen the man himself nor any one like him whereat king nindung waxed exceedingly wrath and said that Velan was not so clever as he had taken him to be but he found that he was a daring and presumptuous fool and he had been himself a fool for undertaking to answer for him and for having summoned the meeting as the man in quest must surely have been there so velan not only lost all his tools and wealth but also brought upon himself the king's displeasure which troubled him still more in this strait he went secretly and forged the image of a man he put hair upon its head painted it and dressed it exactly as if it were the man that stood there for the dwarfs had also taught him this art as soon as the figure was completed he placed it one evening in a spot which the king would have to pass in going from the hall to his chamber when it was time to go to rest and the king came to this spot followed by his attendants he exclaimed in astonishment welcome reigen wherefore do you stand so lonely there outside how fares it with your embassy to sweden the man however was silent he answered not a word the king was about to question him again when velan who bare the torch said truly sire this man is bold and haughty he will never answer you for i made him and he it is who stole my tools then the king laughed at the image and said nay in truth he could not have come to the meeting and when rygan soon afterwards returned from his embassy he restored at once to Veland by the king's command everything he had taken saying that he had only done it in jest. Velen, meanwhile, continued to stand each day at table behind the king, and served him, and did as if he had nothing else to think of, and thus passed other four months. Then the king warned him again, till he went to his smithy and began his work. Three times he made a sword, and every time he brought it to the king it seemed to him the best sword he had ever seen. But Velen every time replied that it was not yet good enough then he went again to his forge and filed it down and made a new one of it much better than the former when he came to the king the third time the sword gleamed as brightly as a diamond it was set with gold and had a beautiful handle then he went with the king to the river threw in a flock of wool which was three feet thick and held the sword in the water still and steadily against the stream and when the wool reached the sword its edge cut it as easily as it did the water itself on seeing this king nindung said with delight that in the future he would have no other sword than this in battle for never a better could be found on earth whereupon Velan replied that he had rather the king should have it than any one else but he must first make the sheath and belt so the king consented and velan went to the smithy and made a second sword so like the other that no one could distinguish them the good one he hid under the bellows of his forge saying lay there my good sword mimung who knows whether i may not want thee ere long from this time forward he stood day by day before the king's table until at length the appointed day arrived Amilius took his helmet and suit of mail early in the morning put them on and paraded with them up and down through the streets and market before the astonished people the armour was so strong and beautifully wrought that all who saw it said they had never beheld the like at the king's table it was much admired and Amilius was assured he could not fail to win the wager when they rose from table the king went with all his guests to a meadow and Emilius seated himself in the midst of an eager crowd of spectators on a broad stone seat velin now hastened to his smithy took his good sword mimung and went with it behind the seat on which Amilius, the smith of king nindung sat there he laid the edge of his sword on the stout helmet of Amilius and asked him whether he felt anything to which Amilius replied that he felt nothing at all and bade him cut with all his might for that truly it must be a mighty marvel if he could injure his invulnerable helmet. Velan then pressed upon his sword, and it cut so forcibly that at one stroke it penetrated through the helmet and head, armour and body, down to his rival's girdle. Whereupon he asked Amilius again if he still felt nothing, and Amilius replied that he felt as if cold water were streaming over his body well then said Veland, now stand up and shake thyself and then thou wilt see how thou art now when amelius shook himself he fell in two pieces on either side of his seat and never rose again for there was no smith so clever as to be able to join the two parts after this proof the king desired to have the sword of Veland, but Veland was cunning and replied that he would first dry it and fetch the sheath from the smithy so he went and brought the king the false sword from the forge but he hid mimung again under the bellows after this wieland remained for a long time with the king he made for him all sorts of curiosities in gold and silver and other metals so that the fame of his skill spread far and wide things went on thus until a foreign army attacked the country of king nindung and the king took the field with his men Veland also girdled on his good sword and went with him. And it happened on one occasion in the battle that the king was in great peril. No one came to his aid, and at length he promised to give his daughter to whosoever should assist him. Then Veland, the clever smith, came to his aid and performed the service required and obtained for him the victory over his enemy. But the king instead of keeping his promise pretended to know nothing of it and drove his deliverer in disgrace and shame like a dog from his court wieland burned with indignation against the king at this treatment and returned after some time in disguise to the court he went into the kitchen of the palace gave himself out for a cook and assisted the other cooks in preparing the food for the king's table when the dishes were placed before the king and his daughter The latter took a knife to carve a dish that stood before her. The knife, however, had this property that its handle gave a sound if the dish was poisoned, and this sound was now heard. Search was everywhere made to discover the criminal, but all in vain. Velan laughed to himself, seeing that no one knew him, and went secretly to the table, took the knife, and laid another exactly like it in its place then he prepared a fresh dish and poured over it such a magic syrup that if the maiden had eaten of it the effect would have been to make her think it impossible to live without Veland for her husband the king's daughter however had conceived some suspicion and held her knife to the dish but it gave no sound as she was still in doubt she ordered another dish of poisoned meat to be brought and as her knife would not sound she saw plainly that there was some deception practised thereupon the king was angry and said no one can so skillfully have imitated this knife as Veland." so he caused him to be sought for among his people at last they found him and brought him before the king who as a punishment ordered the tendons of both his feet to be cut so that he could not get away from that time he sat constantly in his smithy and contrived all kinds of ingenious work for the king but all the while meditating in his heart day and night the means of his revenge at this time he sent for his brother Eigel, who could shoot with the bow better than any other man and had won great fame in this art Eigel came and on account of his skill was well received by the king one day however the king was desirous to see if Eigel could really shoot as well as he had been told so he caused Eigel's son a boy of three years old to be brought and an apple laid upon his head and then ordered Eigel to shoot away the apple although the king would grant him only one shot yet he took three arrows from his quiver and placing one arrow on the string and taking his aim he shot through the apple which fell in halves the king praised the shot but asked him why he had taken three arrows for one shot igel answered fearlessly sire i will not deceive thee know then that had i not hit the apple with the one THE OTHER TWO WERE DESTINED FOR THEE. THE KING RECEIVED HIS SPEECH WELL, BUT ALL THE OTHERS THOUGHT THAT Eigel HAD SPOKEN VERY BOLDLY. Vilan, MEANTIME, SAT IN HIS SMITHY, HAMMERING AWAY, AND AT EVERY STROKE OF HIS HAMMER HE UTTERED A CURSE AGAINST THE KING, UNTIL ONE DAY THE TWO YOUNGEST SONS OF KING NINDUNG CAME TO HIM IN THE SMITHY WITH THEIR BOWS, AND BEGGED HIM TO MAKE THEM SOME ARROWS. Vilan ANSWERED THAT HE HAD NO TIME, in vain they begged him again and again until at length he promised to grant their request if they would do him a little favour in return namely that when the snow had just fallen they should come walking backwards to his smithy and then he would show them a trick the boys promised to do so and scarcely had the first snow fallen when they came eagerly to the smithy Veland, however took them and plunged a knife into their hearts and buried them in a deep hole beneath his bellows they were missed the same morning the king thought they were gone into the woods to shoot wild beasts or to the seaside to fish but when dinner-time came and they did not appear people were sent out to seek them in every direction they came to wieland and asked if the boys had not been with him and wieland replied that they had been with him indeed but had long since gone away to kunigsberg the messengers perceived the footsteps in the snow in the direction of home No one had suspicion of Veland, and it was supposed that the boys had been torn to pieces by wild beasts, or drowned in the sea. After a time, when the matter was forgotten, Veland took the boys from the hole, scraped the flesh from their bones, then took their skulls, set them in gold and silver, and made them into two large drinking-cups. Then of their shoulder-blades and hip-bones he made oil-cups, and the other bones he made into knife-handles and pipes the king was delighted with these treasures and only had them placed on the table when he had persons of distinction as his guests velan laughed to himself at the king's delight and thinking that he was now sufficiently revenged he began to consider how he could return home then he begged his brother igel to get him all kinds of feathers so igel went straight ways into the woods and shot all the birds he could find great and small wielin made himself a winged coat of the feathers which looked exactly like the skin stripped off of a large eagle then he told eigel to put on this covering and try it fly high and low as you will he said only in alighting go before the wind eigel did as his brother told him and flew aloft in the air like the swiftest bird but when he wished to alight he fell headlong with such violence as to lose his sight and hearing Veland asked him if anything were wanting of his coat of feathers that he had thus fallen if it were as easy to alight as to ascend replied Eigel, thou wouldst never more have seen me again and i should now be in another land Veland laughed as he put the feathery covering on himself and said well i knew that thou wouldst never bring it me again and therefore it was that i bade thee light before the wind for all the birds light against the wind then he added that he would forthwith fly home himself but he desired first to take leave of the king and if the king should command igle to shoot at him as he flew he begged him as he loved him as a brother to aim straight at his heart the two brothers now took leave of each other and velan rose into the air and flew to the highest tower and cried aloud so that every one could hear him far and wide praying the king to come forth for he had something to say to him then the king came with all his attendants and said what art thou now become a bird wieland what is thy desire and whither art thou flying what new miracle is this ay sire answered wieland laughing i am a bird now and about to fly from hence that thou treacherous king may no longer have me in thy power thereupon he began to mock at the king and told him how he had appeased his revenge until the king grew frantic with rage and when velan flew on high he turned to Eigel, exclaiming come my good Eigel, thou best of shots send thy arrows after him that he may not escape alive to which Eigel replied that he would not shoot his own brother but the king threatened him with instant death unless he did as he commanded then igel laid his arrow on the bowstring and aimed straight at his brother's heart but Veland held his hammer in his right hand before his heart and as the arrow rebounded against it he seized it with his left igel was commanded to shoot again but Veland did as before and flew away laughing scornfully and holding an arrow in each hand the king and all his people praised igel for his skill in aiming so well but they were still more astonished at Wieland's dexterity, saying they had never seen the like. Meanwhile, he reached his father's home in Zeeland, safe and sound. What afterwards became of him, I know not, but it has now grown late, and it is time for us to go to rest. Mimer's tale was now ended, and he asked Siegfried how it had pleased him, and whether he wished to become as good a smith as Wieland. Siegfried replied, what pleases me most is the sword Mimung, as to the coat of feathers i do not need it for i have no thought of flying from man or beast still methinks that Velin won but little honour with all his skill he treacherously slew his masters the clever dwarfs and if in return for this king nindung was treacherous to him he revenged himself cruelly and craftily on his poor and innocent children nor truly doth his flight and scornful laughing beseem a hero but had he encountered my sword i would not have sat so quietly to him as amilius the silly smith of king nindung nor should his hammer have availed him much against my arrows but if thou teachest me to make a sword like the good mimung sword none shall harm a hair of thy head and thou mayest hang up all the precious stones and crowns in the world on the trees before thy smithy, and no one on earth shall dare to stretch out his hand to take them. That we will see to-morrow, replied Mimer. We shall then try whether you can use your hammer as well as you can your tongue, but now you must go to rest, for it is midnight, and early in the morning we shall be strong and fresh for work. Thereupon they all lay down to rest upon their skins of wild beasts, but siegfried reposed upon his shield between his two dogs whom he bound to the handle of his spear and he slept as soundly and tranquilly as if he had been at home in his father's castle end of the fifth adventure